Hailing frequencies open, and welcome to Star Trek Discoverage, the live podcast that boldly goes into excruciating detail about this week's episode of Star Trek Picard. I'm your host, Aaron Coker, a.k.a. Caliban, and sorry, Elnor, one day you'll get to go on that fishing trip with JL. Joining me on the show, as usual, is my co-host. She's also the co-host of the Generations Geek Podcast, a more or less family-friendly celebration of geekdom. It's Ella Pearson. Ella, welcome back to Discoverage. Thank you. Oh, great to have you here. Great to know that you are doing okay. You are doing okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm 22, so. <laughs> I'm, uh... What does that mean? That doesn't mean anything. It means I'm going to survive the it pandemic. Means, it means you can give it to other people. <laughs> I hope you're isolating. I know you're not doing any school. Uh, no, it's online class for the rest of the semester. And um, they tried to cancel our commencement. Because I'm a graduating senior. Yeah. And then, understandably, they got uh, a lot of very angry emails. And then they sent out another email saying that commencement is postponed without addressing at all that they had just said it was canceled. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, do, are you going to walk then, or, or what? I mean, they had they didn't give a date range at all. They weren't like, oh, in July, if everything's fine, we'll do it. Yeah. I'm a little skeptical because my I'm in the biggest college at the University of Minnesota, CLA, and this year for the first time they actually split the commencement ceremony into like two because it was getting so large. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, no, might have to make my own um, cardboard square to put on my head. So we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so are you, uh, are you just watching the movies at home or, or how does it work? <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, when I do watch the movies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just, oh, my God. You, I just had an algebra lecture over Zoom. Yeah. And I'm just here to say that um, it's a joke. <laughs> algebra, Zoom, or I mean, having a lecture uh, uh, over Zoom? All, all of the above. Well, okay, Zoom is a right. joke. Zoom, Zoom seems like a nice app. but It is. <laughs> It is. It's way better than Skype as we t talk on Skype. So don't listen to Skype. But yeah, yeah. It's, it's way better. But it's okay because my professors still don't know how to use it. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hopefully uh, that'll all work itself out and you'll actually get <laughs> to uh, walk across the stage. And or do you even is it just a situation where you just like stand up and they acknowledge you and you and you sit down? It's so big. You know what? That's a good question. I don't know. I think Maybe you you'll walk. never know. Yeah, uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, anyway, I uh, hope you continue to be healthy and practice that social distancing. It's not tough for me. I'm a gold medalist at social distancing, <laughs> so it's it's not that tough. But it has uh, left me time to think about this world we live in and this Star Trek world that we live in and the fact that, you know, we've got these new shows and the themes to the shows have been somewhat – I've been somewhat underwhelmed by them – um, I don't think that there's a lack of artistry in them, but I feel like, you know, trying to follow in the footsteps of a um, uh, Jerry Goldsmith or uh, or whoever, it's just they don't they lack the sort of uh, bombast uh, that earlier themes do, uh, even Enterprise included. You know, uh, take yeah. it as it is. The Enterprise theme song is memorable, and <laughs> so it's something to uh, that you can look back on. And the theme for Discovery is okay. The theme for Picard is okay. I find myself kind of humming it, so, uh, humming it to myself, uh, what I know of it, uh, now and again. It, it's not bad, but I hope that the uh, future themes for the future shows that they have planned will um, maybe go in a, in a brand new direction, something that uh, will be memorable for people, or who knows? Maybe I mean, the... I'd love, I'd love another country song. 
as uh, much as the next guy. But I also yeah. think like the themes from the, the themes on the other shows, it's like when you hear it, like when I hear the Deep Space Nine theme, I'm like right. eating Devani's like and I'm 10 with my dad oh. watching Star Trek because my okay. mom has book club or something. You know what okay, I mean? Sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Evoking that sense memory there. Yeah. But who yeah. knows? I mean, they could fire up uh, the Section 31 show and it's uh, – you know, like uh, let's let's do like an eighties thing. Let's do a you know, don't you want me, baby? Like Human League uh, <gasps> sort of die. thing. Yeah, let's let's get crazy with it. You know, if there's if there's a seven and nine show, let's have just you know, just like Kenny G, soft jazz. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. There you go. It's a Nancy Sinatra. Yeah. It's Star Trek Pike, and the theme song is "You Got That Yummy Yummy Yummy," just something like that. Just surprise us, kind of you know. Toss it a little bit. Toss it up in the air. Way out of left field. Yeah. Let's see what we can get. Oh, my God. Well, uh, we've just seen the ninth episode. It's going to be like this all night, I think. I'm a little punchy. (laughs) Uh, We've seen the ninth episode of Star Trek Picard. It's an episode called Et in Arcadia Ergo, uh, excuse me, Ego, Part 1. And we're here to talk all about it. But first, as always, a warning. We're setting a course for the Spoiler Zone listeners. So be warned. We're glad you've decided to join us. But if you haven't seen the episode, spoilers for the episode are incoming. The official synopsis of Et in Arcadia Ego Part one is following an unconventional and dangerous transit. Picard and the crew finally arrive at Soji's homeworld, Capellius. However, with Romulan warbirds on their tail, their arrival brings only greater danger as the crew discovers more than expected about the planet's inhabitants. The teleplay is by Michael Shaben and Ayelet Waldman. Shaben, we know, Ayelet is his wife, who is a novelist and essayist. She is also a co-executive producer on Star Trek Picard, and she was also a writer and producer on the TV miniseries Unbelievable, which she co-created with her husband and writer-producer Susanna Grant. The story is by Michael Shaben and Ayelet Waldman and Akiva Goldsman. Goldsman is the screenwriter of Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, And the episode was directed by Akiva Goldsman, who I guess is a director as well. The date for the episode (laughs) is 23.99, as per usual. And there's a few interesting aspects to this episode. Uh, Et in Arcadia Ego, or even in Arcadia, There Am I, is the title of two paintings, one by Guercino Barbieri and one by Nicholas Poussin, both of which feature... I really... Oh, my God. I thought you were going to say Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Oh, even in Arcadia, I'm there. Uh, both of which feature shepherds or Arcadians, in this case, contemplating death. The ego, or I in the title, refers to death, implying that even in the pastoral and carefree world of the shepherd or rustic, death is still present. Both paintings represent a memento mori, or a reminder of death, which was a common theme in artistic works of antiquity, reminding one that the pleasures of the world and the flesh are fleeting because Christians are party animals, man. (laughs) This episode is one of 11 Star Trek episodes with Latin names. I'm going to read them all just as an act of self-flagellation. Uh, yes. We've got Sub Rosa, Dramatis Personae, Inter Arma Enum Silent Leges, Ex Post Facto, Non Sequitur, Alter Ego, Terra Nova, Vox Sola, VC Pacum, uh, excuse me, CV Pacum Parabellum, and Et in Arcadia Ego Part 2. And grab the clock. It's time to stop. <laughs> I think we've got enough. You don't like the Latin titles? No, aluminum, linoleum. Yeah, no, no. We, I, I think we're good on that. The sort of like mock, uh, you know, uh, uh, scholar scholarship of having yeah. like looking up an, a, a title for something Latin. 
uh, drives me a little crazy, but I suppose this one uh, fits. Uh, also, I didn't see E.T. anywhere in this uh, episode. Maybe he was hiding in the stuffed animals. I don't know. Um, Capellius, the name of Soji's planet, is presumably a reference to the short story by German author E.T.A. Hoffman about a doctor named Capellius who creates an artificial girl named Capellia. Oh, my God. He, he was so clever. Um, yeah, I think I could probably find that with a Google search, too. Um, that's it. <laughs> that's all the interesting, quote unquote, facts. What did you think of at In Arcadia Ego Part 1? Um, it, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't overly, in, like, excited, like, the entire episode. I wasn't super, the entire, let's say the entire, it didn't have my attention the entire time. Uh-huh. Um, but there were parts of it that um, I was I was very excited by. It's a does short, that make sense? <laughs> it does, um, and it's you know it's only four, 45 minutes long compared yeah. to these uh, sort of fifty five plus ones we've had in past weeks. So uh, if but you it weren't paying feel, attention, you, you might have missed it. Felt, yeah. Do you think it felt? It felt shorter? super short. I didn't count the really? acts. Yeah, I didn't count the acts, but I was watching it, and at one point I had paused it. Um, Probably to yell, but maybe to write something down. And uh, I thought I thought that I had bumped the um, the I don't even know what you call it now because it's not rewinding, but you know the forward backward skip button. And uh, I was like, "Whoa, whoa, we're a couple acts ahead!" And I rewound it, and it's like, "No, it was only like a minute or two because the episode's almost over." I couldn't believe that the episode was almost over. I thought it felt really long, but then I also was like, "But nothing happened." to make it this long or maybe i was distracted that it's it's like you know now i'm like doing all my homework in my in my bedroom my parents house so i'm just like when i leave my bedroom i'm just like oh this food is terrible and the portions are so large yeah yeah uh i i was as the episode opened i was thinking to myself watching the um recap that synths is a very general term we don't even know what that means we know that it means presumably life that was created by an organic sentient being and not in the normal fun way like scientifically and that could be somebody like data who is made of durotanium and has a positronic brain or it could be somebody presumably like the synths that we're seeing uh somebody like soji or whoever because they still haven't told us with all the exposition in this episode I, I still don't understand what these people are made of but presumably there is some organic element to them um i mean they really just they haven't improved on data i gotta i don't well, love yeah. any of these <laughs> and we got the guys on mars you know the hell yeah guys who are um presumably also just artificial mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. So this is just but not like, sentient. Yeah. And it, I think it becomes very important because we're talking about a possible apocalypse by mm-hmm. a advanced civilization that's somewhere out there who's here to protect synths. Which, can we, so before who, I start persecuting mean? synths, I want to know yeah. what synths are so I don't get like reapered. And what does it mean like higher form of of well, of synthetic being? What is that? Yeah. I don't understand. How can you be... A higher, I mean, a higher form of life is already kind of like nebulous, but then to be like, oh, it's a higher form of synth. I'm like, what do you, what do you, are you, is it God? Is it like, is it God? Synth God. <laughs> like then who, because if it's synthetic, then somebody made it. So if it's a higher form, like who made, like, I I don't know. Synthetic Jesus. That's my new band name. Um, 
I well, I mean, if we're, I'm going to not harp on there, try not to harp on this. But if you want to go with yeah. the Mass Effect thing, which this is exactly like, the Reapers <laughs> are sort of a fusion of organic beings and synthetic technology uh, that are an ancient race. But it doesn't matter. Uh, we open in the La Serena, and we're having a rough ride through the Borg conduit, uh, which. I got to say, I'm going to complain about a bunch of things in this episode, but those effects were pretty cool. Like, I, I like them traveling through oh, the conduit. Yeah, yeah, that looked really cool. I like that Agnes is under the table like, okay, all right, <laughs> we're done. I'm done now. Let's stop. Uh, they hit the uh, two-moon planet in the Gullian system. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we're here. We, we made it finally to the two-moon planet. And uh, we're trying to figure things out here. Um, Gerardi wants to know if she's under arrest. And it kind of seems like, no, no, it's, it's cool, I guess. Um, you just murdered the one guy, and we understand your motives. That's fine. Uh, Narek arrives. Um, I think I heard pe- people talking before about, like, how could he have found them? And they throw a little line in about he must have followed our um, course and trajectory and projected where we would be. And so he found us that way. And we get or into a fight. Just went- wouldn't he have had to go directly into the wasn't he already there like well, he yeah, was it... he was he was within like he could see them when they went into the freaking wormhole right so um, he could have just been like look they're going into some kind of wormhole <laughs> right yeah yeah um presuming that um you know the Serenia had a problem uh, going through, but that he could survive the trip and yeah. everything. And he's got his little cloaking device. So it's a sci-fi thing. I'm not really worried about it. Uh, they have a little fight with him. Um, I like the fact that in the future, they still use the term fritzing. I've never heard Jordy LaForge say fritzing, I don't think. But <laughs> Rafi describes uh, his cloak as fritzing out. But it turns out he's playing possum. And, uh, you know, the, here comes the cube. <laughs> just Let's just skip to the board cube comes out, uh, presumably piloted by just- Seven. I forgot how stupid they look when they move. <laughs> oh, the, the cubes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but not as stupid as space flowers. A bunch of space flowers show up and grab on to every ship, which is presumably uh, sort of a non... It's not, I guess it's violent to destroy a ship, but it, they don't shoot guns or anything. They just grab the ships, presumably causing drag and uh, pulling them into the atmosphere um, yeah, I was surprised by how I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. It just grabs you and the, and then your ship powers down and you can't like do anything. But then it's like, and now we just like yeet you directly into the atmosphere. And I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that could be a problem. And it uh, does seem to be a problem uh, for the ship, which crashes. Uh, the cube crashes as well. I have in my notes this. I don't know what this was. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm referring to yeah. the chaos of the battle or Picard being... Like, possessed or something? Yeah, was, I'm confused by what... was going what, on there? At, well, at first I thought... At first I was going to turn to my dad and ask him if he knew if... Um, well, he can't tell anything. Picard still had Borg implants. Yeah. Well, and, like, I, if it yeah. was some weird thing like that? I think... Uh, I presume that he, he does. I mean, in um, episodes of TNG, they've talked about how they, they... You can never get everything out, but you can get most yeah. of the uh, things out. Um. So for something that uh, opens the episode, uh, we don't ever really go back to that. So who knows? Maybe it'll play a part in part two. Uh, as Picard is unconscious in, in a post-crash, he is flashing back to uh, leaving Earth. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything significant there or if they were just setting up uh, the sort of bad diagnosis he got from his original uh, doctor on the Stargazer. Uh, he wakes up in the sick bay. The ship is out of power. Agnes uh, tells Picard that... Um, 
uh, that something's wrong with him. And there's not too much of a weight on that. Picard is a man of action. As soon as everybody regroups, Picard tells everybody, uh, I'm taking Soji out of here. And I'm also going to warn whoever we find about the Romulans that are uh, definitely on the way. And oh, yeah, I have a brain abnormality. It's terminal. There's no treatment. I'm not, I don't want to talk about it. If you treat me like I'm dying, you're going to piss me off. Uh, and transmission, essentially. Oh, because after when he had the flashback, then I was like, and then he started talking about the brain thing. I was like, okay, so are we supposed to think that like he's just like a little weak, like his brain isn't really up to it, and so the G force, like he knocked out, but then he was having like a flashback to Earth, and so when he was talking, he thought he was like talking on, like I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, like he was in that, yeah, of that scene, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they're just reminding us because we haven't done anything with it in a while, and we will be doing something with it next episode. Um, TV writing. Uh, Agnes wants to know, uh, of Soji, uh, if the synths hate us, hate humans, uh, which I think is a fair question. And Soji says no, but we don't get, uh, too, too deep into it. Uh, we learn that the Romulans will definitely be here soon, uh, as the crew gets their little backpacks and presumably their Lunchables and everything. And they're getting ready to head to, uh, the settlement, uh, that they crash land right next to, cause that's how Star Trek works. Um, they also notice that the artifact, the Borg cube has crashed and, um, there's, there's a decision that's set up that I honestly think they should have just passed on, but they have to decide whether to go and see if everybody in the cube is okay or continue in their quest. And they choose to go to the cube. Uh, Picard says that hope and the odds make poor bedfellows when he's told that odds are everybody's dead. And it's a very Picard thing to do, I guess, but it's really just like, Let's get this thing to 45 minutes. Let's let's stretch out the plot here. Uh, I mean, check the cube. Because when they get to the cube, yes, of course, Elnor and Seven are fine. Seven sensed uh, when they opened the conduit that they were going to do that when she was plugged into the artifact. And so they followed them. And they used the Borg cube scanners to learn that 218 warbirds are on their way. Which is a lot. It's uh, not that many. That's got to be, I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> Presumably thousands of ships uh, in, like, Starfleet and in the Romulan Empire. And this whole time, you know, we've been thinking of the fact that, you know, Romulus and presumably Remus are destroyed. But a, a star empire has many, many, many worlds. So it, it's not that the, I, the Romulans are demoralized. I'm sure some lost their homes. But there's mm-hmm. probably a Romulan base of power still. Uh, there has to be because there are 218 ships that are headed to destroy uh, Capellius. Um, and this is all this is all well and fine, but if Elnor and Seven are going to run in and save people again in the next episode, presumably as the cavalry, we could have just saved this for next episode, yeah. right? If I was Jerry Ryan, I know they're kind of filming these back to back, but if I was Jerry Ryan and you called me in for like one day, I'd just be like, can't I just like show up later? Oh, she's alive. Um, I don't. I just, this episode, I mean, like, you kind of touched on this, but it's just like, it's like they're setting up, they're just setting up other stuff. Yeah, like, well, it's, I feel it's, like... it's, it's part one of a Trek two-parter. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> but this is like the most part one of a Trek two-parter that ever, part one of a Trek two-parter did. Uh, Picard basically says for the millionth time, no, Elnor, you stay here. <laughs> they need you. Sorry that I ripped you from your stay home. Stay in the house, Carl. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> And I made you uh, fulfill this oath that you took, but it ain't going to be with me. Uh, stay here with the XBs. You and Seven are get your own spinoff. I'm sure it'll be great. Uh, I and just want to sidebar, sidebar yeah. real quick. 
um, and and just say that I'm grateful for and or jealous of whoever gets to light Jerry Ryan in these scenes like she's an angel. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's great to see her in, it's strange, but it's great to see her in real clothes. Yes. She has like pants on. Can you imagine? And a jacket. Can you imagine if she showed up in that same thing? Just like, hello. We'd all be like, can we have a break? Yeah. Yeah, when she plugs into the cube, like another drone comes out with a you know a thing on a hanger, like, <laughs> like huh? a clothes hanger. It's like steaming her old jumpsuit. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, so they head back to uh, presumably uh, where the other synths are, and they show up there. And this place looks like a like a spa or like a retreat center. Or so I'm trying to think of like what this practical building actually is, but. It's kind of nice. There's a bunch of people playing uh, soccer and hacky sack and 3D chess. Um, they all have gold skin and weird eyes. They reminded me of uh, Adam Warlock from the uh, Marvel comics. And there's lots of twins. And we get the idea that well, that's it. We're here. We, we found we found the place that we're looking for. Uh, they I welcome the our gold, uh, our ragtag group. The, sorry, the gold ones? The, the gold, gold. Some people. of them were some of them were way more gold and some of them were way less gold. Like it was yeah, some like of a, them got more time in the makeup chair. Yeah. Kidding. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, airbrush, the airbrush yeah. broke. The compressor broke at yeah. some point. Yeah, in the morning. Uh, and they check out uh, Picard's wrinkles. He's got wrinkles. They've never seen this. And uh, out walks Brent Spiner, uh, <laughs> who introduces himself as Alton Inigo Sung, uh, presumably the son of Dr. Noonien Sung. That was sweet. I kind of I didn't expect to really feel something when they were like, and now here you here you go. It's Brent Spiner. But he walked out and I was like, oh, yep. I got a, a, a touch, a touch of that as well. But immediately it was swept away because we had to keep moving. And in fact, this entire episode just feels like expo- warp speed exposition after exposition after exposition. Right yeah, I know that they want to keep the mystery for like the end. But what if any of this was in? The previous episode or an episode before, you know, what if we weren't just moving from place to place to place to place? Uh, he immediately well, talks about a short season, too. Yeah, well, that's true. It's only 10 episodes. He immediately talks about how um, the synth band kind of drove Maddox a little nuts. And that is presumably what was behind his plan of creating uh, Dodge and Soji and sending them out in the world um, to, to sort of on a secret mission to find out more about uh, the roots of the attack. Uh, And uh, surprise, surprise, a gold Soji appears. We find out that this is Sutra, Janna's sister. And I, um, I don't know right away. I didn't trust her. I don't want to use hindsight here, but I was like, "Eh." it's it's Soji, but she's like sexy. She's like, she's got a weird, like TOSO. Kind of vampy. Soji Soji comes out. Weird earring, a little, little midriff showing. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, on sides, no belly button. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the side cutouts. Yeah, a a real uh, William Wearty situation. And (laughs) uh, yeah, because no belly buttons on 60s TV. And Gerardi's like, all right, face it straight. What's up with the admonition? Like, why are we here? What's the situation? What's going on? And they theorize uh, in between uh, Alton and uh, Sutra that perhaps this – admonition this message has driven these romulans crazy because it's not for uh it's not for uh humans it's for synthetics and so um the solution behind this is let me see it let's mind melt <laughs> and once again can we just 
This is why I don't feel like I'm being unreasonable here, but I need to understand how this works. Yes, I know that I know Spock mind melded with a nomad in a computer. I know that we've seen things like this before, but are their brains gooey or crunchy? Like what what is it? Um, I don't under uh Yes. So the mind I the mind meld is supposed to be like there is telepathic the right word yeah or is it so like if romulans and vulcans have this thing where they're kind of telepathic then what like what in he's like oh my god she learned how to do it it's amazing and i'm like then why can't why doesn't every like captain in starfleet learn how to do it if it's like that (laughs) you know what i mean like i get she's supposed to be better but she's also like you said crunchy so what uh (laughs) Well, I, presumably there is an underlying telepathic talent that you must possess to do it, which is why, um, like, Romulans can't do it, because in their genetic heritage, they have the potential, I suppose, for the telepathic ability, but they don't have the discipline and it's atrophied. So perhaps just the perfectness of her, uh, this Adam Warlock lady, uh, allows her access to telepathic gifts, I don't know. The point is, this is where we are in the story, and we need this to happen. And so, it happens. And what we learn from getting the entire message, uh, again, this is um, this is a Mass Effect thing here, having a message locked in somebody's brain, uh, is that organics will perceive synthetics as a threat and get all worked up, and that's a problem, will ultimately destroy them. So, there is some higher power that has sent this message, some advanced form of synthetic life that is waiting, presumably in intergalactic space, to come on in and protect synths when they evolve and when they ask for this help. Which tracks. That's pretty much what we had, I think, (laughs) on our list. It's, um, I'm just, maybe I'll be less confused next week. (laughs) I probably, yeah. Like I'm just a little I don't know. Uh this all uh this all uh, is interesting to Soji and she says fascinating, but didn't data say intriguing often, so whatever. But she's into Vulcan culture. She's into Vulcan so, stuff and she's just like, really going through like a I'm Spock like, phase like super, right now. She's super like quirky. <laughs> yeah, like really it's like I read I don't like I read like Serac, so like it's not it's only different. It's a whole yeah, thing. Right. You guys know this painting at an Arcadia, Ego? Yeah, it's great. Uh, in another scene, Agnes uh, asks Alton about Maddox, and we get pretty much the only, uh, like, castigation she's going to get, I guess, which is like, gosh darn you, you killed a really smart guy, but now you can be that guy, I guess. So that's how promotions work uh, on this planet. Uh, and to me, like, Maddox, is Maddox a big loss? He seemed kind of like a prick. Um, I think that it's that thing where you're like a genius, but you're mean. So everyone ignores that you're like a little bit, you're a little bit of a prick, but like, oh my God, you can make like a robot. So it's like fine. <laughs> oh my God, you can make a robot. Please. <laughs> oh my God, that's Abuse so cool. me more emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, bake all the cookies you want, you weirdo. Um, like, actually nice. Okay. He's just like a little, he's like, he's just like way too smart for it. So like normal stuff, he's just like a little mean, but it's fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we, we'll put up with it. <laughs> Uh, like Sherlock. Yeah. Um, Alton says, uh, Hey, check this. And he shows her a thing 
Uh, it, we don't know what it is. It looks like a unformed sort of body. Uh, I think she describes it as a golem because. <sighs> All right, Michael Shaman, come on. <laughs> yeah, we get it. You're, you're Jewish, but uh, and we. <laughs> And we talk about mind transfer, which can we just do the theories right now? Picard's going in that thing, right? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. The second she said that, I was like, they're going to try. They're going to they're going to cast somebody new to play Picard. That's crazy. Oh, boy. I, I wasn't even willing to go that far. But really? uh... you think that you think that. Uh, they would like I, that's the whole bit, right? They're going to cast somebody that like young and fresh. Data saved Picard. Now Data's legacy will or save him again. You know that sort of thing. Yeah, I'm. If they Are you mad imagine, <laughs> just imagine mad. they try to cast. I'll lose my freaking gourd. Well, they could just. I mean, maybe the golem just looks old, like you know, like <laughs> Patrick Stewart does, and it's. We get rid of the um, – they they, first, they refuse to say Eremotic Syndrome for some reason. I don't know if this is another uh, – they don't want to give money to uh, Ron Moore or whoever wrote uh, All Good Things. But it, if it's so important and it's so clearly going to be part of the climax of this, then why be so vague? That's that's what I want to know. That's a good question. Can we just um, – your dream cast for a young – a new hot young Picard with a new body. That model that everybody thinks that is uh, Patrick Stewart, that they keep sharing that black and white picture of him. You've seen that, right? No. There's this guy. Ah, oh, crap. Um, you can just Google it. It's like there's a, pic, there's a black and white picture of a model who does look like a young Patrick Stewart, although he never had that much hair. Um, just get that guy. I don't know. Or like, um, gosh. Somebody who was on Fringe, possibly, right? Because it's the whole like J.J. Uh, Abrams connection. Um, this oh, guy, Pacey, Pacey, this guy. <laughs> we'll get Pacey from, uh, from Dawson's Creek. Oh my God. <laughs> he was on fringe. I don't want to think about it. Um, Soji says, uh, all right, we'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's go. We'll, we'll, uh, or is this the part? I can't remember. I don't think Soji doesn't want to fight. And Sutra's like, no, no, we should fight. Totally. And guess what? Here's Narek. We found him. He crashed, of course, too. And what are we going to do with him? Who knows? Uh, we cut to Agnes playing with the cat. She tells us the cat's name is Spot Two. <laughs> that's a Simpsons joke. <laughs> that's not even that's it's that's purely just a hey, look, that's the most hey, look that this show has ever gotten. Just sometimes something happens in an episode, and I'm like, "Oh man, I can't wait to hear what Aaron has every to say. well every week." I, I wonder <laughs> what what's going to turn me into Doomcock. You know, Doomcock on on YouTube. What's the last straw going to be? Like, what's going to make me black pill on this? Because it kind of feels like Spot Two is that moment for me. <laughs> what's going on with the Orville? You want to do an Orville show? <laughs> <laughs> complete like just 180 degrees <sighs> it's a lot to put up with uh we can talk a, a little later at the end about <laughs> our theories about why this is happening but um anyway this uh this little scene uh heals up the agnes and rios relationship which i don't think anybody really cared about but if you do things are cool with them they didn't i just they never really had a like a, a, a real moment to me it's like he was yeah. like let's kiss and she was like no i know when i am making a mistake <laughs> yeah right yeah <laughs> so anyway um 
Things are great there. He doesn't like cats, though, so that might be a problem. Uh, Goldie, uh, who is the name, uh, as far as I'm concerned, of the one lady, uh, the android lady, whose real name I don't know, uh, gives Rafi a device that will fix the ship, because <laughs> she just says it just will. Um, and it's Rafi... Yeah, Rafi gives JL a hug. Uh, we have a weird scene between them uh, where she tells him that she loves him and he eventually says that he loves her too. And they're like, okay. Uh, and that's it for that. For uh, a moment. Yeah. I, and did you ever get the feeling that that their relationship had to be like that? I, I don't think it's romantic love, but... No, no. You know, I, I, like, I don't um, want to... See Riker tell, say, tell Picard that he loves him. I think that it makes sense for them because they're like, they were close and then it was like so rocky. And then yeah. it's like, she had this thing where she was acting like she really hated him. So I feel like hearing that he's going to die soon. She was like, wait a second. Wait though. Yeah. I hope that she doesn't die soon. Um <laughs> I mean, like, I'm trying, I'm thinking back to, like, Discovery finales and body counts, and they're never, like, that high, but we usually, um, we usually lose somebody, you know, to kind of keep the tension up, and yeah. um, I think she might be on the list. Uh, Picard, uh, she goes back to the ship to fix it up, presumably she'll be back uh, next week. Picard goes to call uh, Starfleet for help and doesn't hear anything from them, which seems troubling. Uh, we cut to Narek, who is locked up. Uh, in what looks like just like an alcove, just like a like a shape, like the building just is kind of curved there and they stuck a force field over it. Uh, but whenever uh, he's asking uh, his jailer, Goldie, for water and she's like, OK, but Soji's like, no, no, don't don't do it. And Narek really badly tries to reach out to her, but sucks. Like if you ever thought he was a manipulator or a good one, maybe not under pressure because he no. just, he does, yeah, it's awful. The show really sells him out, I think, big time. And she's like, you're gross. And he's like, all right, well, they're going to blow you up anyway, so good. And she's like, <laughs> no, nope. I don't care because you're going to die anyways. Yeah, well, you're going to die. Uh, but she's like, no, nope, I don't think we are. And so she leaves and he notices Goldie's pin, which is like a hummingbird pin. Is that going to set up what happens to her later, I guess? Um... Besides her getting stabbed in the eye with the pin, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't. Yeah, I don't know how that was necessary, <laughs> but uh, anyway. Um, Soji goes to Picard, asks about the logic of sacrifice, and they continue to have a conversation about whether killing is okay. I mean, it's it's okay, I guess, but I mean, I, I think we know Picard's like what his view is going to be on this. Uh, Sutra shows up at Narek's cell and she dismisses Goldie. And this is where it begins. She opens the door and she says, I really want to kill you, but I need your services. And she lets him go. And we find out that somebody, I think it was Sutra, but somebody has stabbed Goldie in the eye. So she's dead, I guess. (laughs) Like if you stabbed Data in the eye, fine. If you stab Soji in the eye, I bet she'd probably be okay. Why does this girl like instantly die? Maybe well, she's an older model. Okay, <laughs> so maybe okay. she's just a little. Maybe she's just shut down for a bit. I don't know. Like, Alton seems pretty uh, pretty sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, but but he, he was like, oh my god, her eye. Yeah, I know. I know. Golden eye. 
So, like, maybe it's her just her eye. eye. He's like, I was just, I have, and then her, did you see her body laying on that slab behind yes. that big, like, meeting? So, yes. he's like, I just, I just haven't gotten around to booting her back up yet, but we'll get there. Yeah, yeah. And this is the, uh, this is supposed to precipitate, you know, a galaxy ending war between two parties, but go, go, go. We got to get through this. We just blaze, blazing through this. I don't know why this couldn't have been 55 minutes. Uh, we go back to a meeting between all the, uh, here, here, yeah, that's where we are. Uh, a meeting between all the synths. Uh, Sutra's like, all right, this is it. We got a call for the, uh, the Reapers to get here and defend us. Uh, the Federation's no different than the Romulans. We have to survive. And Picard's like, guys, we have a ship. We'll, we'll just get you all on the ship. We can go wherever. We'll fly to the Federation, get some help. And we get a kind of heel turn from Elton here. He's like, no, no, that's not going to work. I mean, I've been watching this show. Nobody's listened for, to you for the entire series. Uh, put him under arrest, which is like, what? Citizens arrest. Citizens arrest. Grab that old man. And so she's like, <laughs> I know, grab that ancient person. <laughs> yes. Uh, take his worthers away. Uh, so she's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I think you're you're probably right. And Gerardi is like, yeah, I, I think you're right, too. I, I love Kool-Aid. Give me more. But I, I think that we can assume that she is um, she's got other plans. Who, Soji or no, Agnes? I think Agnes is. Yeah, I think Agnes is uh, on the side of the angels still. Oh, yes. You think she's going to boot up that golem to kick some butt? Ooh, a big gooey golem. Kick a butt. Yeah. Got truth she plugs it just like an Xbox controller and she's like, yeah. <laughs> uh you know knowing this franchise's track record uh of low budget props i could see that happening like a little drone controller yeah um just like some tape over the logo it's just painted over yeah pretty much uh (laughs) so they dragged picard away and it looked like i couldn't get a close look but their two bald guys dragged him away and i think they were the same actors who played the Mars synths, the Hell Yeah guys. Right? Which would be... They looked really... Yeah. It, it, I think it makes sense because it's like, all right, guy, we got an actor or a pair of actors uh, who can act kind of ro- robot-like, bring them back in. But it just raises more questions for me. Like, why do the Mars synths look like that if there are Maddox synths on Capellius that look like that too? The Mars synths were much paler. <laughs> <laughs> And they had names like Fate. Oh, God. F8. Uh, we, um, oh, oh, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, in, in our look at next week, we see the uh, Romulan fleet heading for the planet. There's a giant warbird because that worked out so great in Nemesis. And we see um, O commanding it. And she's gone full like Giorgio here. She's in like the black yeah. leathers. And I'm like, did she just take like vacation? Is she on PTO from Starfleet or something? Or is that is that yeah. over now? <laughs> She's like, I um I haven't taken any vacation the entire time I've worked here, so I have um yeah. about two years of time yeah. saved up, and I'll be starting that right now. Oh, my grandfather died, you know, and Vulcan customs are so weird, so I'm gonna need a lot of time. Sorry about this. It's gonna be like a six month funeral, so I just gotta go. Oh, I'm so sorry. This was this was rough for me. This was a rough one. I'm not gonna lie. Didn't it release you from your quarantine a little bit though? <laughs> yeah the yeah the uh pacing that i did around the living room was a real good exercise <laughs> for me after being inside for so long um 
there's a thing. This is just a theory that I have, but there's a thing mm-hmm. that when you get okay, so Brett Spiner, great actor, we know this. Um, and when mm-hmm. you like see see him speak, or you see him in, I don't know, Boat Trip or something like that, you realize like what great acting he's doing as Data by sort of not acting, you know, like playing yeah. a character with no emotions, like really great. And I can see how that might get kind of boring. So he always wants to do, hey, I'm Nooni and Soong, or I'm a bunch of cowboys or something. <laughs> Every time Brent Spiner isn't playing Data on Star Trek, it's it's not good. Like, Lore... I think that they also... Lore's they okay. These, Lore's like, is kind of a pass. Lies. A lot lines. Yeah. You know what I mean? I guess. I, I don't know. Every time that he is doing a, a thing... I just, uh, it's not like he's playing data. It's a mitzvah. He's not playing data. It's a Shonda. We don't want this. Like it's always oh something weird. And that's what we've got here in this episode where he's like, hi, I'm Dr. Soon number two. And I'm also kind of a jerk and maybe evil. And I don't know. I would have rather had but it be Lore. What if it was Lore? Well, what if they show up and but, they're like, wow, this Lore's seems- body is on earth. Is it? We don't know that. We yeah. before's bodies on Earth. We don't know where Lore is. Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. So what if it's just like, oh, this is great. We we're playing frisbee golf. It's oh, who's in charge? <laughs> who's in charge of this mess? Oh my God, it's Lore. He's like, eh, don't worry about it. Everything's cool. He just, he just punches Picard's string in the face. <laughs> he just immediately like strings him up. Gold, yeah, yeah. gold fist towards the camera, and then cut to black. <laughs> That's the gold. That's a Kiva Goldsman move right there. Oh my God, they're all Goldsman. Oh my God, we can't talk about it. Um, so I just like trying to now that we can look back and see where we've come to get here. Episode nine, one more episode left. This is Data's legacy. It's a bunch of like murderous hacky sack kids and cloned pets. Like, is it his legacy that I still don't? I feel like we still don't know how much involvement he had. No, they talked and for or so. What they used. Yeah, they talked for so much time in this episode, and I still don't yes. feel like I have any answers. <laughs> but anyway, presumably, you know, he he, it's his legacy because these they were created from his positronic neurons or or whatever. They went out to the wreckage of the scimitar with a dustbuster and and Maddox. And also, uh, Nuni and Sung's kid were like, "Yeah, let's keep this going. Let's let's make this world of like fun, cool, hacky sack and kids." It just it had a real culty vibe to me. It was a little. Um, what was the one in Oregon where they wore the red? Oregon. The cult in Oregon. Oh, Washington. Heaven's Gate. No. Oh, that's a fun cult. Wait, there's, wait a minute. There's more popular. How many cults do you know? Um, it's fine. Don't worry about it. You got to get off Discovery Channel. Um, yeah, it just felt. I don't know. It's just like they're all hanging out. It's like once upon once upon a time in Hollywood, the next generation. The Rajanishis. Whoa! Oh, is this um, <laughs> is this that Netflix thing? The yes. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> And they're just like, oh, we're just playing games and eating together. And you're like, yeah. and then, then, then now, Sheila, you're putting salmonella in the salad. <laughs> yes, right, right. <laughs> oh, um, just imagining Tex Watson with a Jordy's visor on. Um, I so I don't, uh, I, I, I don't like this. Uh, I can't wait till Michael Shabin is gone. 
You know? <gasps> oh my god, T. I don't think it's been all bad, but Aaron's he's careful of the red dots on your forehead. <laughs> he's moving <laughs> gonna on take to take the shot. <laughs> <laughs> he's moving on to ruin his own book, you know, in a miniseries, and that's probably good. Um, you know, knowing that this was written by him and his wife uh, and Akiva Goldsman, you know, uh, writer of Batman and Robin and uh, Batman Forever. I don't care that he's got an Oscar. Um, it just seems like three not great TV writers, uh, all our powers combined to form like a bad Voltron. Uh, well, I'm supposed to hear about my Star Trek internship uh, imminently, so I just want to say that I know you're doing she your best, and it's so hard to start a new disagrees show. with me, and the views of Caliban have nothing to do with the views of... <laughs> right, 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 right. Um, but yeah, this episode, not uh, not not their finest work. <laughs> it, I... Mm. <laughs> you know, I, I mentioned... Well, I, I don't know. I mentioned, like, Fringe and J.J. Abrams before. It's this... This is this is it's not just them. This is a big problem I feel in uh, storytelling and like TV long form storytelling right now. This yeah. twists got to keep the secrets, got to reveal things at certain intervals or just not at all till the end. And it's just been a real problem both in Discovery and this show. You know, <laughs> Star Trek is about ideas it's about philosophies and those philosophies clashing it's not about who came up with the the, who made the robot or who was in the ships that attacked uh uh mars we're going to see next week that Narek was in one of the ships or or something like that like it's not about that and i don't care and if you i still like that stuff but if you gave us that stuff you know parsed it out over the 10 episodes then you wouldn't end up with a, a, just a dump episode, a ninth, a ninth episode where it's just like exposition. Exp- okay, got it, got it, you got it. Okay, now let's have our huge drone fight like the end of uh, the last episode of uh, Discovery Season 2 or whatever we're going to get in this next episode. I just don't – I'm not turned on by storytelling like that. Like I don't I don't care. Yeah. Um, spot two. That's spot two. <laughs> that says it all. Do you think this trend in television started with uh, stuff like Lost? Probably, which, you know, I wrote this um, joint. Yeah, I wrote this really long paper one time about how much like basically Lost and like HBO influenced like modern TV and storytelling. Really? And uh, yeah. What? what, um, First of all, what grade did you get? uh, A. Okay, all right. Then you can. <laughs> um, no, my papers get A's. My tests are more rough. Um, <laughs> and uh, because it forces, basically, my thesis was that like TV that is treated uh, like a higher form of art, more like a movie in the way that they make it. So like it's higher quality, and then also is this kind of like mystery. It's like they're forcing their audiences to like actively participate in viewing it. So it's not like you're just sitting there and it's happening to you. You're like stitched in. Um, And I think it's really pop. Like you said, it's like really popular for TV shows now to act like that because it, it they're trying and it works when it's a good TV show, but sometimes they're projecting, they want people to be invested. And so to make that happen, they give you these questions without answers. Um, but then sometimes it ends up being less satisfying because they don't have good answers, like the polar bear in Lost. <laughs> well, 
Well, yeah, but you that's, know, it's like, oh, there was a zoo. Great. Like, OK, that's just a physical phenomena, though. Like there's yeah. either an answer or there isn't like the mm-hmm. polar bear. And it, they did come up with something. There was they were doing an experiment. Dharma mm-hmm. in the north, the, the yeah, I mean, north yeah, pole yeah. or something. But it was a dumb answer. But the the. the, the <laughs> The cool questions, the good questions don't have an answer. It does data have a soul, you know? Was it right for Picard to let Kamala, you know, bond with him as the perfect mate, but then go off and oh, marry somebody else? Oh, that's a good point. Uh, those, those are the questions. Measure you know, of like, a man. Me- yeah, right. Melinda. <laughs> I've been around long enough to have been, you know, around in the B- uh, BBS era, and we we did. We talked about every episode, whether they didn't run together like we talked about episodes and it kept us engaged. And it, it, we weren't engaged because we were able to like, who is that silhouetted person that looks a lot like Denise Crosby and has her voice? Is that going to be a Romulan that's <laughs> Denise Crosby, Tasha Yar? Uh, it wasn't those elements that kept us coming back. And yet yeah. that's all these shows. They, they put everything on on you coming back for that. And it's yeah. uh, disappointing. And then you grout in the cracks with spot twos. Well, it's also like adapting like Star Trek, not to be like a zoomer on main, but comparatively Star Trek is a pretty old television show and it's a pretty old idea. And so then to have to like turn and like try to, take those ideas and make them for a modern audience and make them in a way that's going to have like not only the old fans like be engaged with it but like kind of like capture new audiences and like new like attention that wasn't there before like it's hard and it's wild well i don't it's this is this is going on in um a lot of uh, realms right now um especially politics this idea that do you continue to be who you are represent yourself honestly or do you change who you are and how you present yourself to get Mm -hmm. other people and i would argue that there are some people who can't change enough and there would be no point in changing because other people are never going to choose you or follow you or watch you to if to be something else and i don't think that like you know presumably star trek is doing well on cbs all access uh and discovery picard but i don't think people are who have never seen star trek before are showing up because they got to find out what, what what the secret of this girl is, and she's like comes from data or whatever. Like every plot point in Picard is leveraged so heavily on knowing something about TNG, knowing something about the main character, what what the stakes are, why he's pursuing mm-hmm. what he's pursuing. It you know it doesn't to, to try. You don't need to you don't need to hook us. Like we're already hooked. Do you think if they had a writing staff that was less like if they hired more people who like more like non Trekkies, like if the balance was like shifted, that it they would be more likely to make a better uh like TV show overall? Like do you think it's like it like it's like the uh it's like the it's like the Star Wars reboots where it's like every single thing it only carries emotional weight because of what happened before? Well, I mean, Star Wars ethic and Star Trek are dicey because we all are Trekkies and Star Warries or whatever you call mm-hmm. yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like, like they're so old and they're so ingrained in culture that you have to know something about it. And like Michael Shaben, mm-hmm. you know, he says he's a Trekkie and I don't doubt him, but, you know, he's wrote a bunch of other books and, you know, he's not exactly like a, a Trek TV writer. Same for his wife. 
Sydney Sydney Lumet's kid. Like I'm sure she likes Star Trek, but is she a, mm-hmm. a Star Trek writer in the way you're describing? Like Joe Minoski was on the first season of Discovery, and then he wasn't on the second. And I just think mm-hmm. that like the people at Secret Hideout like have no desire to mm-hmm. have any connection from an administrative or staffing sense to the old shows. I mean, you know, David Gerald's out there for Christ's sake. Like if you wanted to get the the spirit of the old shows, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying you can't, you need the old people to do this. I'm just saying if you wanted to try to capture the spirit of the old shows by having the old writers out there, you know, Renee Echevarria is out there, it'd be expensive, but, you know, Ronald Moore is out there. All these people are out there still, but instead they're just staffing their ranks with all these people that they know and that they've worked on with other things, which is a totally normal thing to do. I just think that the people come in and they write, a, they're writing TV scripts, not Star Trek scripts. Um, there was an yeah. episode one or two episodes ago that was written by can't remember the name and it's probably I'm not doesn't matter but this person was like had had been a tv writer for 10 years in like cbs procedural tv ncis csi that sort of thing mm-hmm. and she came in and she wrote an entry in a tv show that had been going on for a long time that was totally serviceable but i just didn't see how it was star trek it wasn't trying to examine the the issues, the emotions and feelings uh, that a Star Trek episode, as we know it or have known it to this point, tries to do. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's do you think it, it, maybe that's gone? And if it is, we've got fifty years of material. We're spoiled for choice. I'm not crying that it's gone, but I keep coming yeah. to CBS Trek trying to get that, and I and I keep not getting that, or at least getting it in just you know a, just a drip feed. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's really, and I mean, like for me, I think that I like it more than, (laughs) I think I like that I like the new shows more than like a lot of people. And um, it's episodes like this that frustrate me in the same way you're talking about where it's like, you have like, for example, like the, the authors that have been no bias, just honesty, (laughs) the authors, maybe a little bit of bias that have been working (laughs) so hard for so long on writing this like really good Star Trek content and they're having like this kind of episode that falls a little bit flat written by people who haven't been writing Star Trek content for however many years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where they go, especially with and, all the new <laughs> series. I don't know. Yeah. And I don't know who's in charge and I don't know who's making the decisions. Like I, I agree that. Yeah. That's the other thing. Yeah. I no, like I'm on board with you, um, although you're biased, definitely. And I'm biased a little bit. Like if you wanted to just pick, you know, half a dozen uh, Star Trek authors uh, whose names I won't say and just throw them into a room, I'd bet you get some good stuff. But those people mm-hmm. aren't television writers and they're going to run into uh, one of the problems that this show has uh, and Discovery has as well is that it's it's relying on fairly inexperienced TV writers. Um, Mm -hmm. who are going to look to a showrunner, a head writer for guidance that I don't, I don't know if, if we're getting, you know, if you do a, 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 if you do a Star Trek, if you do a a TNG or a DS9, you say, what do we got? We've got this script. We've got these ideas. Brent wanted to do one of these things where he's a cowboy or something, you know, and then we've got a couple scripts that were submitted. And how do these fit? Are these Star Trek aren't, are these not Star Trek? The new way to do TV is what's our season arc? You know, where are we going with this? Yeah. And if you're not really planning, you know, emotional B 
beats out stories that satisfy people in a Trek way from week to week, which I don't think we are, then we're just falling back on what's in the box. You know, what's the mystery? What, mm. what, how, how big of a peak do we get inside the box this week? And um, I don't know. Like, I, I, I just, you know, my opinion isn't everybody's opinion. Um, but in my opinion, you are, you know, wasting the time and talent of uh, a lot of people who are working really hard on this show. Yeah, yay. it's, uh, <laughs> it's, yay, it's rough one. Then you also, it's the extra added layer of like, they're like using these shows to launch their streaming platform. So like, yeah, of course. who's making the decisions that's like, this is what is going to bring audiences. Like, this is what it's like, is going to bring paying members to CBS all access versus yeah. like, uh, an episode like Measure of a Man. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know who's making those decisions. And of course, it's a, it seems similar, the situation, because of course, you know, the show is in syndication, uh, you know, in like the 80s, and then later um, was the flagship show of, of a new network, um, similar to now, but it's a totally different situation. And I don't know who's making those staffing decisions. Um, it's definitely not the same person or a group of people who made the decision or are making the decision to jettison, you know, the publishing wing of Viacom CBS yeah. in Simon and yeah. Schuster. But I feel like it's a similar decision. I feel like the people in charge are trying to, you know, when you put suits in charge, they're going to fly mm -hmm. as low to the ground as possible. They're going to keep the overhead down. And so if you can get a writer who, yeah, this person's done a couple CSIs, uh, you know what they're doing. Uh, that's what you're going to get. You're not going to get somebody who, I, you know, I don't know, knows more about Trek, um, has bigger and better ideas. Um, Brian Fuller has his own, <laughs> has his own yeah. weird sort of uh, uh, trail of broken shows that he's left in his wake. But, I mean, he's definitely somebody who was literally a guy that cut his teeth doing Star Trek and came in with some big ideas about mushrooms and stuff. And I think that whoever's in charge is not is not hiring those people which also and this is going to sound like meaner than i mean it to be but like oh, shows like csi and ncis they are calculated to be exactly good enough does that make sense yeah it does like i love i'll watch ncis as much as an expert i mean maybe not anymore but like I'll watch NCI, you know what I mean? Because it's there, because it's on, it's all, it's always on, and it's always on, like, when you just kind of want to watch TV for a little bit, and you're, like, eating really fast or something, you know what I mean? And it's, like, so it's very, I mean, I haven't really, I haven't seen, like, a bad episode of NCIS, sure. because they're all at least good enough. And so here and there, you'll maybe have some that are more action-packed or more emotional. Yeah. But they're good enough. And, and so that, when you take that formula and like try to apply it to like this like new Star Trek show, it it gets more difficult. Yeah. But what's like what's ironic is that that formula, that model is a very popular model. Yeah. And mm -hmm. even on like this is just this is CEI. We're just talking about CSI now. <laughs> um, but like even in something like CSI, you still have like this week's case. So somebody mm -hmm. was killed, you know, by a forklift or something, and then we got to figure out who it was. And then you know, maybe at the end, Grissom will find like some new 
clue for the season long arc where he's trying to catch, you know, the, the bye bye man or, or whatever the killer is. Um, well, that's that, why I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to sound like mean. I'm like, this is going to sound mean. I don't mean it to be mean because they're clearly very successful. Like people like those shows oh, yeah, for yeah. like a reason. But you can even accomplish what I think a lot of fans have complained about, which is where are the contained stories? You know, everybody, they do one in New Eden and suddenly that's everybody's favorite episode of Discovery. And it just seems like if you don't know what you're doing or where you're going or you've got some ideas, but you don't know what the audience is thinking, like, I think the audience is telling you what they want. And so I don't know why you can't shift to deliver that while still... You know, even even from a mercenary point of view, still laying the groundwork for your STCU universe or whatever, um, where you're going to have a million shows on CBS All Access. Um, I just don't I don't know where anybody's going. Nobody seems to have like a, a guiding, you know, force or a North Star here. We're just we're <laughs> we're on the planet of uh, of hippie datas. And I, I don't know how we got here. You're right. It also, it's also that, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of, like, I used to love the hit TV show Supernatural, right? And. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, we can. Please, please, please continue. Please continue. But, but I, 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 want, I want to say, I want to say before you start, because this is all I know about Supernatural. I watched Supernatural up until the end of season five when Eric Kripke left. And everybody mm-hmm. agrees that the show just basically. Just went on yes. autopilot after that. So continue. Yes. And it's like, and I went, listen, they came here. They had like Supernatural <laughs> Con in Minneapolis and I went four years. Okay. Like I yeah. did it. I met all of that. I got all the, I did everything. And the people that I know from those conventions, I'll like see them and I'll be like, oh my God, I'm like five seasons behind, but I'm like still there to like have fun weirdly. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh my God, you have to catch up. It's so good. And then I'm like, really? And then like <laughs> behind their eyes, they start to like crack and they're like, no, oh my God, you really have to watch it. Like it's still, it's so good. You won't believe what happened this season. And I'm like, <laughs> I think, I don't know about that. And it's just like that thing where it's like, they're like, here's what you want, and it's kind of what you want. Like, they're distracting you. They're like, oh, my God, shiny, literally gold, shiny robot here. And everyone's like, oh, d- yeah. And then, But then you're watching it, and you're like, this isn't really, like, it's not really working. But they're, they're stands, though. You know, they're, the, they're the kind of people that will follow uh, Jared Pilecki to the Walker, Texas Ranger reboot. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. that that's fine. But, no, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely – Supernatural. Welcome to Supernatural Edge. Uh, is a show that uh, you know was kind of taking things like the X Files and things that already sort of existed and uh, going interesting places with them. Maybe not fifteen years worth of interesting places, but no, no. Oh boy, we're lost. I think we've uh... <laughs> no. Let's talk about the first five seasons of Supernatural. Okay, all right, well, here we go. All right. So when, like, uh, yeah, when uh, Dean ended up in hell, uh, how did he, uh, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Let's crawl back out. No, Cassiel grabbed him. <laughs> God, well, it's we, like a trap in my mind. Yeah. I gotta, I, I don't know. I gotta get back to that show. Maybe, maybe give it a, another chance. Um, I think Solid. we've beat up, we've beat up on Star Trek enough, I think, for, for the night. <laughs> I so, love you guys. 
everything's fine. Yeah, sorry. Uh, well, that's it for our show this week. Uh, thanks for joining us, listeners, if you're still there. If you like what you hear, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at EISTPOD for updates and to get notified when new episodes of both Enterprising Individuals and Discoverage are released. And you can tweet to us on the show using the hashtag Discoverage or email us at EISTPod at gmail.com. Uh, also, while you're on the internet, please go to your listening platform of choice and subscribe to our show feed. Give us a rating and a review because it really helps us out. We've gotten a few more ratings on iTunes recently and we really appreciate it. So uh, keep them coming. If you want to help the show grow, you can stop by our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash EISTPod. And as always, if you like the show, tell a friend. Discoverage will be back on March 26th for the 10th and last episode of Season 1 of Star Trek Picard, entitled At In Arcadia Ego Part 2. That episode will also be directed by Akiva Goldsman. Can't wait for that. We'll be going live once again at 7 p.m. Central or about or thereabouts. So join us then. And you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at EIST Pod to get notified when we're live and broadcasting. In the meantime, hey... Check out our main show, Enterprising Individuals, at enterprisingindividuals.com. Every Wednesday on the show, I'm joined by a special guest to discuss in excruciating detail a selected episode from a Star Trek series. We also have news from the Trek sphere and interviews with special guests, and we discuss really a lot of the things that we've been discussing tonight in terms of the issues talked about in Trek and the soul of the show. Our latest episode dropped yesterday on the episode I talk with New York Times bestselling author David Mack about the DS9 episode, It's only a paper moon, which he co-wrote, of course, and we also talk about the life and career of Aaron Eisenberg on that show. You can check that out at enterprisingindividuals.com. Ella, thanks as always for joining me to talk about this episode of Picard. Remind people where they can find you online. Thank you. Um, you can find us at generationsgeek.com or generationsgeek on Twitter, Instagram, and uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. All right. And uh, stay safe and stay healthy. Yeah, everyone. Yeah. No touching. Just pull. Just slap people with a pool noodle. If they get too close to you. Touch nothing is the word <laughs> of the day. Yes. Uh, and that is it for us. Thanks for listening. And we are signing off. This is Aaron for Ella saying live long and prosper. <laughs>